0: Welcome back to another episode of Learning As I Go and I've got a massive smile on my face because I'm so excited to be joined today by a TV icon, a TV legend, Miss Jenny Powell. She has had an incredible career doing shows like Wheel of Fortune, Top of the Pops, even mentoring Anton Deck, which we're going to talk about today. So please get ready for another incredible episode of Learning As I Go. can't believe it i am joined today by a tv icon miss jenny powell is it am I, am I okay to call you a tv icon do you take that on the chin or what
1: well yeah it's but yeah no icons <laughs> all right no that's quite nice actually sometimes it's a legend but that makes me feel really old and i don't believe i'm a legend at all um but i no it's very thank you very much scott honestly I, it's only lately actually that I've sort of come across people and interviewed people and stuff, and they said, "Oh, you know, I watched you as a teenager. I watched you and as a child, and you made me, you know, want to do what I'm doing now." Um, and a lot of people, because I'm, I'm, my parents are South African, and I was sort of like the first sort of brown girl and a girl who sort of like sort of hosted, you know, sort of big shows and things, and and even in children's TV, um, there was only really me and Michaela Strachan. In no. fact, Michaela Strachan did something called The Hitman and Her, which was like this uh, late night sort of dance show with Pete Waterman did it, Stock Aitken and Waterman all that lot. And I was up the road in Oxford Road in Manchester when the BBC was still there, right. which has now been knocked down, so it's a car park or something, great. Um, and I was there doing another music show called No Limits and I was like 16, 1986,
0: wow. do the maths. But that's mad because literally, I was actually thinking about it the other day. You, by the way, you look phenomenal, and I'm not just saying this. I know Aww. a lot of people blow smoke your way, but honestly, you look incredible. Aww. And
1: no Botox, nothing, by the way.
0: And and you have got this like <laughs> you obviously got this dark complexion, and, yeah. like, and, and I couldn't figure out. Yeah. are you mixed race? Like where you from? So it's yeah. South African, right?
1: So my parents escaped apartheid. Wow. So they lived in a place called District 6, which was where if you were brown, you lived there. If you were white, you lived in the really nice bit with all the nice scenery and uh, all the good opportunities. If you were black, you lived in the Ashanti towns. And if you were lucky enough, you got to work for a coloured person or a white person. where you thought you were lucky. Um, And the coloured people in District 6, you could either be a tradesman, a teacher, if you were lucky. Uh, My grandfather was a chauffeur. My grandmother was a housekeeper and they had their own community, but you know, they, they had nothing, absolutely nothing. But you couldn't mix with white people or black people, you stuck to your own. No way. And so my grandmother, they left in the 1950s because the white government then, and this is when like obviously Nelson Mandela is out in uh, Robben Island. So my grandmother's mother decided, right, you know, there's not enough opportunities here for my children and, the, and my grandchildren, and for a woman again, Back in the 1950s mm. to say, right, I've saved up. We're all going to go to the UK and I've, I've rented a house and you can take your partners and your kids. I've rented that for your base and then you can all make your own future in the UK. And right. they got on a ship and it took six weeks to get to the UK in the 1950s. So
0: that's how it all started. That's how and it started. And now right we've, <laughs> we've got Jenny Powell right in front of us. We've
1: got Jenny Powell.
0: But when was your big break and how old were you when you first kind of appeared onto TV and and what kind of happened, what was that moment?
1: Yeah, it was was the first reality show of really. So it was 1985, 86, so I was just 16. And I'd been at stage school for like a year because I just wanted to be a dancer. I would have been ha- happily on a cruise ship or the chorus line. I loved I loved musicals and all the rest of it. So I was I was t- training in London at a place called Italia Conti, and then BBC Two basically were looking for new faces because back in the eighties, when it came to TV presenters, they were just Radio One DJs. You know, you had Mike Smith, Noel Edmonds, Basilat, Bit Black that's it so they were trying to uh, sort of generate new new life new blood into the bbc so they and this had never they you got to remember this has never been done before but you'll all be used to it they said right we're going to just get people to come and audition off the street like joe public now that was unheard of then so i was at stage school and basically my friend said oh why don't you go why don't you go for it so I went, so there were thousands of all these kids all sort of like auditioning for this show on BBC Two called No Limits. And the big part of the show, big core of the show was, you know, we're gonna get people like real people off the street and just see what happens. And the first show was like an audition and they, they, they televised the audition. So I'm, I was like 16 and they said, right, you have to interview that person. And it was Annabella from Bow Wow Wow. I
0: don't know who that right. is. Right. I know well, a little Bow wouldn't.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but this she was like but basically it was a pop group and I was like oh my god I've got to
0: interview but can I- you imagine you walking into a room no wonder your friend said you need to go and audition because you've just got it like in like heaps load so it's like and so, you know that star quality oh, like, I know you oh. got, I know you want to be a dancer but yeah. you've, you must have always been as As high energy and as confident as you are, surely, even without the presenting stuff.
1: Yeah, I I was and I wasn't. I mean, I had a couple of eating disorders, don't get me wrong. I had anorexia and I had bulimia and I went through a lot when I was, and I think it was a lot to do with I was brown. I did feel a little bit, you know, a little bit different. And I think when you're like that, when I think of my father, he was similar where he was a people pleaser. He was trying to prove that, you know, Because coming from Africa, uh, you know, and then where he wasn't allowed in a pub next to a white guy. Wow. So you can imagine he gets to England and it's like, what? I can go and I can like work alongside white guys and I can go in a pub with white people in it imagine that so he was always that person when he got here he was always trying to please and always trying to make people laugh and you know and I think I got a bit of it from him where I I felt I was having to please and then when I sort of went into dance class I was just quite tall and I always felt a bit dumpy so I got a bit conscious of like my weight I think ballet can do that as well you know sort of like ballerinas and i remember in my ballet class i was really conscious about my belly sticking out and stuff and i did yeah i had an eating disorder for a while
0: so it seems like um, race but, played a massive part yeah, in your did. childhood yeah even just yeah, talking, about we're now. talking about it yeah yeah i can tell when you're talking about it just, there's emotion coming up there Yeah. Like, in terms of going into this audition yeah and, yeah.
1: And, yeah sorry no, no, we no, guess? No, yeah.
0: no it's good though you, so you've gone in there you're not as confident as i probably thought you would no
1: been. i wasn't right. i wasn't and um I sort of stood up and, it, and, and and bit by bit, people were just getting knocked out on the day. Okay. So by the end of that day, they wanted to have two presenters, one girl and one boy, no matter what. So it got down to two girls and two boys and I was still there. And by this time, it's like, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh God, I've got to get the train back. You know, what, what's happening? And oh God, I, just, I, just, I just need to go. I'm never going to get this. And of course I got it. Wow. And I'll never forget it because you got to remember at the time as well, there were only four channels that was it. There was no sky. Oh there was God, no cable. Yeah. There was no, nothing. What was it in channel five? Nothing. In fact, I think it was the same year as channel four. Mm. So literally TV was like the thing mm. more than it is now. And everybody watched it. So of course I remember making the phone call to my dad and I said, dad, I'm not coming home because I got the job and they put me up in a hotel. I've never been in a hotel or anything like that. And I'm going to be on the TV.
0: Oh my God, so you were re- literally part of that time when celebrities were real celebrities. Yes, like yeah. In terms of like, you only really saw a celebrity either on TV yeah. or in the press, which was like really difficult to, to see sometimes. Yeah, So yeah. you basically were at the forefront of that time when TV was the be-all and end-all. It and was. for you being on that platform was huge. How did that change your life yeah. then? Yeah.
1: Well, I was really conscious of it then because literally everything changed obviously uh, but I was only young you what know, was the first 16th. show called it was did? called No Limits it was on the on BBC Two it was quite like, iconic at the time it was sort of against the word if you remember the word which was Terry Christian and Paula mm. Yates right we all came we all merged at the, emerged at the same time but it was all about music you see so in the 80s it was the music video it was the duran duran huge budget videos people threw millions at all these sort of videos and when you know you had a video cassette and you promoted your music through how good your video was so our show was all about music videos and we had our own charts and we were up against top of the pops in some ways because it was sort of like It was the next stage because, you know, it was all these sort of like fancy technical sort of um, software they had that they just discovered to make all all the sort of things spinning on and off the screen. And, I mean, even little words running along the bottom of the screen that you do on your Instagram, we used to use that and nobody had ever seen that before. No way. You know, it was stuff like that. So it was groundbreaking in loads of ways. And everybody came on it. Brian Adams. We discovered Bon Jovi. What? Yeah. I was here in the office at the BBC and our producer our executive producer was Jonathan King. And of course he had a huge connection with the music industry in the in the US so he would introduce new bands on our show and it was amazing how it would then break these massive bands and I remember he walked into the office he put this cassette in the VHS And uh, with his curled up lip, he was like, right, this is going to be, this band are going to be massive. And I went, oh, my God, look at his hair. It's like mine. Because he had like this bit, all these curls, um, you know, John Bon Jovi. And I said, what are they called? And I remember him going, John Bon Jovi. And I went, what? And he was like, John Bon Jovi. And I was like, we've watched the video. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they're all right. I said, not my bag, but they're all right. And that was it. So then we put them on our show. And then before you know it, you know, so there were a lot of bands like that, a lot. Oh, who, I
0: just, I feel like you've been part of the best part of... Yeah. Like the best part of... of a, a
1: cult, pop cult, culture. Pop culture, yeah, because yeah.
0: for me, when I look back now, and even when I watch Top of the Pot, even when I was a kid growing up, and I remember, for example, when Spice Girls first came yeah, out, yeah. they were number one. And then you, I remember like um, Coolio with... Gangster's Paradise. You're like, just Top of the Pops. Every Friday, everybody yeah. would gather around and wait yeah. for that number one spot. Yeah. And you were part of that era. All of it, yeah. Like, what? It's amazing. So yeah. how did you go from that show then to end up being on Top of the Pops?
1: Well, I did that show for about three or four years and then I went into Children's BBC. Okay. Which is a great place to learn your skills, actually.
0: Why? Because All you make more ta- mistakes? Or
1: Yeah, because, you, you, so learn, you know, you can... It, it's sort of like, it's the only place as well where you learn live TV, like Saturday morning sh- TV, you know, like, I was, like Ant and Dec and that, the, again, the we first time, yeah, that. we need we'll to talk about to that. that. That's the first, that's that's where you learn to do live telly. Yeah. Really, you, you know, someone shoves an earpiece in your ear and tells you, well, you know, someone's going to talk to you and tell you when to shut up, but you've got to talk at the same time and you're like, what? But you have to do it somewhere. So well, that's where I learned. But, so I did Children's BBC and when I was doing that, At the time, at the end of the 80s, all the big execs decided at Top of the Pops that things had to change. It was coming to the 90s, which again meant that there was a big shift in music and culture everywhere. I mean, gosh, Manchester just changed dramatically in those years. And they said, we've got to change things up as well. We can't just have all these Radio 1 jocks presenting, you know, Top of the Pops. We've got to get some new blood in. And women... There was only one female presenter on Top of the Pops. So they got me, Anthea Turner, Jackie Brambles, Sybil Roscoe, um, said, right, we'll get them in and we'll get some new faces, younger faces and different faces from Not Just Radio. And so we were just chucked on there. And I remember standing next to Steve Wright, it was like my icon, you know. And I thought, I can't believe I'm standing here on this, you know, the famous Top of the Pops balcony looking down on the stage and I'm standing next to Steve right?
0: Talk, talk to me about that, that time on Top of the Pops then. What was the most standout moment for you?
1: It's so embarrassing. Uh, it was, uh, I had to introduce um, the Happy Mondays, <laughs> right? For the first time. Do you know what I called them? What? Happy Monday. <laughs> and to this day, I can't bear it. Because you know all those, those sort of like sites where people slag you off. Oh gosh. I mean, good on them. Because, I mean, who... How can I get that wrong? But I was just really giddy, and you'd literally turn up, and it's like you have got ten seconds to say that was one song, and this is the next one. You were just thrown up there onto the balcony, and you know you'd race through a quick rehearsal, but you didn't really rehearse. And of course, this band I'd never heard of them, so I just I just I just misread it. I thought, oh, that's a happy Monday. All right, and then it's a happy Monday. Let's,
0: let's talk about that because obviously I'm an aspiring presenter now. I just did my first gig with you, and yeah. I feel like I learned so much from you. But how do you learn to be a presenter? Do you you only learn by doing it? Yeah. And like, what's your best piece of advice for, for example, when you're doing live TV, we talked about this before. Yeah. Like, how do you get yourself through that process? What is your biggest learning over the years?
1: Well, one thing I will say is you really have got to not care what anyone thinks. Yeah. (laughs) Because I think you can get so worried about, and I think it's even worse now. Because everybody's in that situation because of social media where you're just worrying about and thinking about what everyone's thinking and looking at. So I think you have got to, and I say it to my children for everything, I say, don't worry about what anyone thinks, which basically means you've got to have confidence in yourself, haven't you? You've got to have that confidence and you've got to dig deep and know yourself better than anyone else and know that you are happy with what you're doing and the way you're doing it, and don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Mm. I think you've got to have that that confidence, because if you start worrying about what everyone's thinking, and then you do go wrong, you'll never get back up. With, mm. You know, get back up in front of a camera ever mm. again. You know, yeah, you'd be mortified. So you just got to think: if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. So what? That's what
0: I said to you. day. I said, I just want to be myself. Yeah. Like, if, I'm, if I can be myself,
1: and you were brilliant. Then
0: then I'll be happy. But. Like, it's interesting, even that night I walked away and I know most of the evening went well, but I, I kind of tried to overanalyze one yeah. situation that didn't go well and you're thinking, let's let it go.
1: Yeah, it doesn't let matter. it go, honestly.
0: But that was just in front of a few hundred people, but on TV in front of millions of people. Yeah. Oh, where, there
1: have been some classics Go on, give, as give as well. an example
0: when something's gone really wrong.
1: Really wrong, <laughs> I'd say uh I was doing, um it was Saturday morning shows with Nobby the Sheep. The thing is as well, it's brilliant kids telling because she said, you get to work with all these puppets, you know. <laughs> I had the wolves on WhatsApp. I don't know what was more of a puppet, Andy Crane and Pat Sharp, or the bloody wolves. They're quite similar really. But, um, and then Nobby the Sheep was brilliant. I had a riot laugh with him. And I remember I was doing Gimme Five with Nobby the Sheep and I was sitting down with Marty Pello from Wet Wet Wet. And of course- As you do. As you do. And we'd done a bit, half of the interview, went into a break. And then, uh, you know, you you have this earpiece in because basically that is the hub of what's going on. That is, you know, you've got a floor manager in front of you to say, you know, look, wind things up and they do different sort of signs, you know, hand signals for, you know, you've got 15 seconds left, you've got, you know, 10 seconds left, uh, but you're also getting counted in your ear. So someone's going, okay, wind this up, five, four, three, two. That must be so confusing. Yeah, because then you've got to hit an advert or something. And in the meantime, someone's talking to you and you're thinking... They're not going to finish their sentence. Oh, my God, they want to talk about their whole life story. I just want five seconds, and I've only got five seconds. So all this is going on. So when it's sort of like a commercial break or something, or really long cartoons, because back in the day on Saturday morning shows, cartoons are gone for ages. Mm. And you think, right, put your feet up, take your earpiece out. Well, I didn't put my earpiece back in, did I? So it, we came back out of the break, and I'm sitting with Marty, Marty Pello, flirting away, <laughs> and I'm going, "Yeah, so where, where do you like to go on holiday?" And he's going, "Well, you know, because I quite like Marty." Like, oh, this is my this is my moment, right? And he's going, "Oh, well, what do you think?" I said, "Well, I mean, you know, someone like you, i just go anywhere, really." And anyway, the the floor manager is jumping up and down in front of me on the set. And I go, what's he doing? What's he doing, Marty? What's he doing? And I thought, oh, we've come back on. (laughs) And I looked on my shoulder. My earpiece was just like swinging. And then I could hear through my earpiece the director going, Jenny, Jenny, for fuck's sake. Uh, wow. So yeah I had to come back that, that is
0: amazing Yeah
1: There's been lots of things Like that though There's you know live to, And then I remember once You know They always say Never work with children And animals So it's like just kids everyone on te- Everywhere on, on Saturday mornings You know Because they're the audience And then we had these Poppies on And I had this little Low cut top and the puppies just started licking my boobs. Oh, my God. And, you know, when everyone's like, do we leave it the way it is? Do we draw attention to it? Actually, I'm quite enjoying it. <laughs> it was one of those. And even I looked down, I was like, oh, my God, the puppies are licking my tits. The puppies are licking, tits, licking puppies, children's telly. Oh this is not good. Oh, my God. And, you know, that you sort of like, your, your life sort of like flashes before you because... But it sounds like
0: you're having... So much
1: fun, though. Oh, it was brilliant. I, I met so many boyfriends on them as well. Oh, I bet you did. I met loads of people. Because I just used to work. I didn't really go out or anything. I remember when, take that. I ended up going out with Jason Orange for years. No way. Because he came on the show and they all used to, and I don't used to meet anyone, Wait right? Wait a second. So
0: you went out with Jason Orange and take that? Yeah. Uh, like, like at draw, the out. height of his career? Yeah. What was that like? Oh,
1: it was brilliant. It's so funny because you sound exactly the same as him. Do you reckon? Yeah, your voice is exactly the same, and the way you are, all smiley and like happy all the bloody time. I don't.
0: Wait a second. He sounds really. I don't know if he does. He sound like me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Honestly, what you need to do is get uh, pick up. um, Wait a second.
0: Which one is Jason Orange now? Which one is He's the one
1: who's spinning his head a
0: lot. Has he got long hair?
1: Not um, Howard, not, not the one with the dreadlocks. Not J Howard, blots. right, okay, no.
0: I thought you meant Howard.
1: No, you mean J- Jason was the one with the real big smile like yours. Okay,
0: Yeah, I can deal with that. But
1: they yeah, they used to come on the show and then at the end they go, oh, hi, do you want, can I have your number? And I'd be like, well, yeah. It was <laughs> like, I don't go out and I don't see any fit bloke. so yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, so there was a lot of that going on. I'm not writing a book though. I can't, I just can't. It's just really oh terrible. God.
0: Um So you've gone to you've gone on to do um you did um, children's TV, you've yeah. done top the pops, yeah. you've done no limits. Yeah. Talk to me about working with Anton Deck, when did that happen?
1: So they were doing like, a groove as yeah. actors. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah. yeah. So they were doing that and when we did Gimme Five and Nobby the Sheep, that was made in Newcastle. So we're in the same studios. And then one day, one of the directors, and producers, the directors and producers came down to the show we were doing, the Saturday morning show, and said, look, there's these two lads who do Biker Grove, and we want to kind of get them presenting. And I remember phoning my mum and going, oh, my God, mum, as if my job isn't hard enough. Now I've got these two kids that I've got to try and help out. It's hard work. It's live TV, and then you've got two kids who don't really know what they're doing. I said, now they're going to come on the show. I said, it's fine. I said, but it's It's admin. I said, so Mum, I've got admin.
0: You were mentoring. Yeah,
1: mentoring. Deck. So they, so, so basically the producers said, look, so we'll get them over. I mean, you know, they used to tell it because they're actors, but they're not presenters, so and they've not done live TV. So, you know, you just guide it all. We'll pop them in a few items, you know, and slowly but surely we'll get them to do more and more.
0: Wow. And so- I was like, bloody admin.
1: I said, God, and there's two of them. <laughs> Oh, God. So you I couldn't res- understand what they were saying.
0: You were responsible for mentoring Anton Deck. Oh, at, yeah. At, the start, and I say
1: it, at yeah. the start of
0: their career. Yes. And I reckon you are now going to be responsible for mentoring <laughs> for your, Scott Thomas. Scott Thomas. At the start eh? of his career. That's yeah, i Yeah, but just like Anton Deck, like you'll forget that.
1: about it. That's what'll happen.
0: So what was it like working with them then? Were they actually were they really good at the start? Were they naturally good or did it take a of time? They while? were just
1: funny, they were just gadding about, being giddy. And and you know, to be fair, they brought up really good energy to the show. I mean, they were so young. I mean, I can just, just still see. What show them now. was it called? It? it was called Gimme Five, G-I-M-M-E, right NAF Gimme Five. But at yeah. the time that was trendy. And that's with Nobby the Sheep. So they, no, they were great. They did, they you know, and then of course, you know, look what happened. Mm, of course. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting to see all these people. You know, there was another guy, Simon Rimmer, you know, the yeah, chef. Yeah. So I went to a vegetarian restaurant in, uh, I don't know why I say vegetarian because I'm not, but I went to this restaurant with my friend in Didsbury, which is in Manchester, if you don't know. I sat down and he came up and he had this, and I said, and it was, it was in the 90s. And that's the start of when all these sort of chefs started to become like telly friendly. And then there were all these sort of like cookery shows mm. and, you know, chefs were becoming a thing on the TV. And Simon Rimmer, and he will vouch for this, I went, you should be on the TV. I said, there's loads of chefs on telly now. You'd be brilliant. <laughs> right. And he went, do you think so? And I went, yeah. I said, here's my agent's number. Get on it. Look what happened to Simon. I'm telling
0: you now, Scott. We're with the right woman. She's making careers. I feel like I'm in great company. I'm making careers. But in terms of like this industry, Jenny, right? Because you've seen it all, right? You've been, like I said, part of that amazing time of pop culture. Yeah. And and you've seen TV change so much. Yeah. And it's also must be, must have been quite a competitive industry as well. Like, Mm. how have you kind of managed to stay Stay sane, sane? Stay sane in this ever sort of evolving TV industry and also stay current as well. Like how mm. how's that
1: current's hard, isn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, gosh, it's hard work now. It really is. I'm on the beach and I'm like, oh god, I better do some I better do some content. Yeah. And my daughters are going, Mum, do, do you have to do this now? I'm like, yeah, come on, pays the bills, get on with it. You know, it is, is this your TikTok dances that you've been doing. I can't I'm not doing TikTok. I've done a couple, I'm not I can't do I like my reels I like choosing songs now, and then Connie's told me my eldest she said, "No, you want to choose trending ones." Mm. I said, "Yeah, but everybody's heard them." She said, "But that's the idea," and then these algorithm things. I'm trying to work it all out. But right, it's
0: just- but li- listen, I know that you are a positive bundle of joy, but even yeah. I know that, yeah. like, even for example, when I did Love Island, then there was the next series, and then yeah. the next series. Like, oh. you, you must have seen that the hot new flame come in oh, every single yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Like, how have you managed ah. to keep yourself sane? every year yeah. and you've had a long career, yeah. longer than most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how have you survived that competitive side of the industry?
1: Because I've always considered it a job, right? This is the difference. Ooh. I haven't considered it a route to fame and celebrity, get yourself into um, Albert Schloss.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> now I like that. Right?
1: So for me, it's a job. And it's a skill, and I just want to work on it like everybody else does in whatever career they have. So I just want to get better at whatever that job is. And if, you know, uh, circumstances change, I'll shift and I'll change so that I can keep doing it. Um, obviously enjoying it, but it's about a job for me, and then the other bit comes after. So I'm not chasing the ace when it comes to the fame game. So I was always sort of like bubbling underneath the surface because a lot of people say, why weren't you doing this? And why? I said, well, I was just happy I did... You know, I did that for a time and I did children's and I really enjoyed it. Then I got bored and then I went into main like, light entertainment for a bit. Um, and then, you know, that was difficult for other reasons. Like, I ended up doing The Wheel of Fortune, which I hated. Oh, did you? That yeah, was a big moment it, for you, though. Was that was a big the show. the biggest thing, but I hated it. Why? Because I was just a girl turning bloody letters round. Right. You know, I did it to pay the bills, to be honest. Right. And because I wanted to get out of children's TV. And at the time, the only way you could get out was to just take what you could that was in light entertainment. And the only thing there was, was for me, was being a dolly bird.
0: Right.
1: Because it was being a dolly bird. I think it was Megan Marker was talking about when she did, uh, what did she do, play your cards right or something, Mm. didn't she? And she was saying, you know, similar to what I feel that, you know, in this day and age, if someone said to you, right, Jenny, you're going to wear a really small short skirt that we're all going to discuss for about, the, like the length of it for about four meetings, wear high sh- high heel shoes and turn letters around and just look pretty and not say anything, would you do it? I know what I tell my daughter to say.
0: Ah. Off. So what just shows how times have changed. Yeah.
1: and I wasn't supposed to speak. <laughs> and we went over to America where the Wheel of Fortune started. We flew over to LA and I watched Vanna White and I mean, Vanna White has done the Wheel of Fortune for decades, right? I don't know if it's like long distance now and it's all, you know, maybe the filter a bit. Because I mean, I can't, if she's still doing it, she must be about 80. But anyway, she's been doing it for years. And I sat there in LA and I was like, she not say anything. And I was like, can I not say anything? I said, I've been a presenter already. Remember, I'd already been done my... I said, can I- I'm not saying anything. So I went back and I said, I've got to say something. I mean, anything. So anyway, I put my foot down and they said, oh, well, you know, maybe you can have a couple of gags at the end. So I got like a one liner gag at the end and I got to say a couple of things when I was giving out prizes. And that was it. And that was like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful. It was just, just you put up
0: with it though. It just shows how much times have changed. And and it's really refreshing talking to you, Jenny, because like you've been part of, like I said, a different era in yeah. a way. But you're also kind of down with the kids, so to speak. Like when yeah. I talk to you, it's almost like you get both sides. I get your vibe. Yeah, you get both sides yeah. of, the, of the culture. That's,
1: it's peng, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's peng. <laughs> it really is. But <laughs> yes, let's, let's talk about it that then. That. Yeah. Do you think that comes from mm. um, being, uh, obviously you've got your two beautiful daughters. Yeah. Um, Glad you said
1: beautiful. Yeah, it's not all about beautiful. that, this within,
0: but And I'm it. right, it's, it's Pollyanna.
1: Pollyanna and, Con- and Connie, Constance,
0: yeah. Constance, I was going to say it's Constance.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, beautiful girl. How old are they?
1: Connie's twenty-one. Wow. Pollyanna's fourteen. Next week, yeah, nearly fourteen.
0: And how did that slot into your career and your life then? Becoming oh, it's inconvenient,
1: mom- really. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, I wanted to make a baby. I made. I remember conceiving Connie, mm. <laughs> but it was literally because I was working so much and my ex-husband. I was like, right, I actually did live auditions for Hollyoaks. So I had to go and do that. And I remember I said, look, I'm flying to wherever because we've got to do this big uh, new search for uh, Hollyoaks actors. So um, I've got three hours and I've taken my ovulation thing and we've got three hours, but then I have to go and I'm not back for a week and then it's not worth it. So we literally went... Pfft. And that was it. So that was Connie, romantic. And Pollyanna was an accident skiing. Well, I wasn't having... I wasn't... It wasn't a skiing accident. I mean, we were skiing and then she was like, yeah, it was a bit of an accident. This is the first
0: Learn As I Go episode. I've just laughed. You've got red. Oh, you're so
1: sweet. You know what? I was thinking you're actually really cute because you are quite... You know, you're quite shy like that, aren't you? No,
0: it's just like, literally, this this podcast is usually quite... um, Learner's got quite like self development but this oh, is like right, yeah. we're getting and we're getting Ooh, all yeah. time
1: <laughs> <laughs> well that was connie that was pollyanna's development anyway I love it, though. you're bringing, you're
0: bringing a different dimension i like it
1: well yeah what? it is all part of it isn't it i suppose cuz
0: but honestly, being a, being a mum though, working mum, yeah, it's It's tough. Yeah, and like it's one thing that guilt. shines through with you every time I'm around you is that your passion and love for your kids, and yeah. you're constantly talking about them. A, and yeah, boring. And like isn't I feel it? like one, like, well, I, feel like, up, I, I feel like I know the life story. One's an artist, one's in London, one's going yeah. back. Uh, do you know what what I mean you so you've got such a, like a massive love for your kids? Yeah. Like
1: it's guilt really because <laughs> I <I'm> neglected <laughs> it for so long in my career. Do you you now feel, like...
0: do you feel like you did though in a way?
1: Well, Connie a bit more, because I did a lot of travel shows as well. And, of course, a lot of, you know, being up north in the northwest, not everything was based here. So I did move around a lot. I used to drag her around sometimes as well, which was a bit... And then my mum would come. But I had my parents to... If I didn't have my parents to help out, I don't think I would have done as much. I was more comfortable. I think with childcare, it's really tricky. And working mums, the guilt thing. When you've got, you know, I wouldn't have sent her to nursery or a child... Care that wasn't family I think that's the biggie mm. if you've got family with childcare it's it's a bit easier so I you know the first few years with Connie it, I remember expressing milk when I was breastfeeding in the loo in the airport and squirting it out and then I filled up a few bottles and then when we got to a hotel where I was working my mum took over and I said right the milk's in the fridge but don't leave it there just in case someone cut. they don't empty it at room service and like because that's my milk and then you know I'd have to do stuff like that you're on red again. It's only breastfeeding. It's fine. It's a natural thing, Scott. <laughs> and, um, you know, but I learned as I went along, because again, not as many women were doing it then. You know, I was sort of like, I, I look now and loads of women are sort of taking the kids everywhere. And, but a lot of the time I realized it was better to leave, leave your children in their, their environment. You know, don't drag them around with you if you don't have to. And I wouldn't phone as often. I mean, we didn't have... Mobile phones and all that stuff. I didn't have FaceTime, mm. so I'd have to pick up the phone and phone. And I found that they got more upset if I, if I phoned. So mm. I'd leave it.
0: Do you feel like you got scrutinised for being a working mum back then, uh, or judged no. um, by friends? I think maybe? the only
1: person was me. Right. Okay. I think everyone else was quite, you know, was quite excited, you mm. know. But I didn't feel that. No. Um, yeah, I just brought it on myself a bit. One but, thing
0: that really stands out about what you just said then, and, and you find it a lot with like actors and, and people who really take pride in the craft is that you're not doing it for the fame you're doing it for the love the, you, love. the yeah. love of what you do
1: yeah it's true and
0: yeah. that really shines through in the fact that you were just following the right jobs around rather yeah. than the, the ones, ones that, that, were gonna that I be. fancy doing yeah. it. I
1: enjoy doing it. it's true whereas I think I worry now because a lot of people just want to be Bloody famous, yeah. don't they? Well, and fame, I'm like, is, well what?
0: fame is so um, easy to sort of access now. Whereas, like I said, you come from that that area where you were famous for being good at something or the best That's at it. what you did, yeah. or like being headhunted from, like, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the audition room that you were in, yeah.
0: you were identified as having a talent and and for being talented. Whereas yeah. now, you, like, I, listen, I've been on a reality show and got nearly a million followers for being.
1: No, but you're you've got something, Scott. To I like do. to think so. You have, I, and you've got like even now, your interviewing is brilliant, yeah. and that's really hard. You can't teach him. But that. I
0: appreciate. But I think I've also got a lot to prove, though. Yeah. As a reality star, infl- it's took have- me, it took me five years um, right. since the show to, to get to this point where people start to take me a little bit more serious yeah. than, than I was, and even, tough, in, even in business and stuff. So you yeah. kind of have to break down those barriers and those bar- improve yourself a little bit.
1: You do, um, but the thing is, and what you're doing, and no one does, is you listen. Mm. People don't listen enough. Mm. And in this industry, I find that that's the most frustrating thing. Because even when you're out and about amongst all in celebsville, as I call it, you know, everyone's like far, 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 far. And no one's listening to you. You can say, hello, you've got a mushroom hanging off your ear. And then we go, yeah, hey, oh, God, when was the last time I saw you? You know, and uh, I'd love to smear bovel all over your head. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, oh, Moscow, Oh, there's someone over there. You know, nobody listens, mm. but you listen. And that's that's so important because it means it's not just about you.
0: Mm. But to be honest, that, that's what this podcast has taught me, the power of listening. Yeah. Because in, that, in my day-to-day life, I am a hundred miles an hour and everything else, but this podcast really forces you to focus and listen. It's almost like therapy yeah. in a way, because you no, talk about is. things that you're not used to talking about. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like I said before, it's it's hard to, to go to that level with you, Jenny, because you are such a positive bundle of joy, but there's been times when you've oh, been- Terrible. have been times when you've been sort of tested and rocked, like for example, yeah we talk about that menopausal side. And by the way, can we just talk about, like, break it down to me, what is menopause? Right.
1: Because so basically, menopause means you stop having your periods, which means, as a woman, you're just on the scrappy because you're of no use. Wow. Basically. So you can imagine what, how that affects you because, you know, deep down, you know, sort of like cavemen, women would be there for one purpose, really, alone, which was to procreate. So the minute you're not able to have kids... You're on the scrappy. So,
0: are you talking like from like a biological sense, like in terms of like it's almost like you can't really control that feeling. It's almost like because you've you had your your kids and yeah, I had them
1: quite late as well, like one of my
0: forties. You you kind of did what you were meant—I don't know—supposed to do in that sense. So, why did you feel like ticking
1: the box? Yeah, yeah. why
0: did you feel like you were on the scrapie? Or do you think it was just like you couldn't really control that feeling? It was almost like
1: it's. Well, that that's in general. I mean, for me, it's not that. It's the physical and psychological um, effects that it has on you. The actual, you know, when you stop having periods, your hormones are just basically fucked. So you're just a different person. It is awful. It's awful. You wake up and you will do stuff and say stuff and you'll be like, oh my God, that's not me. And you are constantly apologising to people for your behaviour. You'll be short-tempered you'll forget everything as you well know i just forget everything which oh, is really hard in this job as well i've had to write stuff down with my radio my podcast everything i have to write everything down because i can't remember it and your sex drive goes your libido goes because your testosterone just goes out the window she's got no testosterone so of course the ripple effects it affects your partner it affects your kids because your kids are like hmm my, my youngest one, she went, I t- dropped her off at the post stop and she went, I know why it's called the menopause mum. And I thought, oh, this is going to be good. It's going to be really good. And she went, because men do your head in. But that's kind of what happens. But you're lovely, Scott. But in what but, sense,
0: though, men do your head in?
1: Because your hormones, you just, you're just angry. You're mm. angry at the fact that you, you're not no longer needed for, you know, what you're supposed mm. to be Doing, which is having kids, your sex drive goes. So, like, it's like, oh God, go away, leave me alone. Ugh, you know. am my Martin, you know, like my gay best friend said, he's chipped out Mount Olympus. But still, I was like Martin, you know. So you have to, you know, you you have to work really hard at basically realigning your hormones and your health and your your just your sense of just being you again. You disappear. That former you, it's gone. And I think that's why it's been quite good for a lot of famous like celebrity women to speak out because, you know, it's a public thing and everybody knows them so well. And it's like, for us, you've played, you know, we're all, oh, this is Jenny, she's bright and bubbly. Oh my gosh, the last couple of years, the times where I'm like, I just don't want to do this. I just don't want to do it. And I've had to dig deep to be that person that I know everyone, you know wants me to be, or mm. knows I am. And I am really that person, but you just lose it through the menopause. You come out the other end, but, you know, people, my next neighbour back in the 80s, she committed suicide. Mm. You know, women commit suicide from it. And it's it's a serious thing, and I'm so glad. It, I know that everybody's talking about it now, and it gets a bit like, oh, my God. But I think it's really important, actually. But
0: with you, though, I can tell it comes from a place of... Sincerity, in yeah. terms of like it's it's, it's something that you, not didn't, just, you yeah. didn't come in no. and oh. it's massively affected you. Yeah. But how have you coped? And what are your coping mechanisms? Then what do you do?
1: Well, I hot yoga is brilliant. Okay. the sort of health benefits of that, and that really helps with your hormones. So I, I found that was really and for, for my mind, you know, just meditation, really breathing, um, and also I found the hormone doctor. She called Anise Mukherjee. She's been on with Davinia. Davina uh, T- I get confused with Davinia Taylor and Davina McCall. Okay, but Davina, she had her on her that menopausal series. She's called Denise and she's like my hormone heaven. So I go to her, I can message her, especially like with the job I've got and say, listen, I need to balance things out. And then she does like bioidentical um, hormones, um, basically like an HRT, but there's different versions depending on what you're into. So yeah, I have like replacement HRT, but my form that just levels me out. And I'm just about getting there. Because oh, I mean. the problem is everyone's different. You can't just go to your GP, right? And also your GPs aren't experts. They've got 10 minutes with you, right? To cover everything, right? God bless them, but they can't do it. It's not happening. So you need an expert and every single person is different. So you can't just say, well, you take three of those, one of those and four squirts of that and everyone's going to be fine. Everyone's different. And it's, you know, your hormones are changing constantly. So it's like tracking that all the time, individually, So you've really got to look after it yourself, I think. It's a pain in the So it's about finding
0: the right people with the right knowledge to guide you through that process. It
1: is, it is really. And then, you know, and just talking to to other women about it. And then there's all, because, you know, we all share, you know, like I found about Anise Mukherjee through um, one of uh, a friend of mine off Cory.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> and she went, oh, Jenny, try Anise. She's going to be brilliant. And she was, you know, and y- y- you just got to talk about it and just share each other's experiences yeah. and it's, just it's, help each other. It, it sounds
0: like it's a little bit like, we talk about mental health a lot in this day and age. Yeah. And mental health is never something that's kind of, Solved or no?
1: It's not. It's an
0: ongoing process. It's not you, a
1: quick fix, banking, is there? You need
0: keep working on it and trying to find solutions yeah. and different things that. And I can tell that you're going through this menopausal journey now, and you're not sitting here going, "I've got all the answers." No. But I'm just basically, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, and yeah, I, and the, that the kind of fighting spirit that you've got is that you're not giving up. You're gonna, yeah. You're going to keep working on it and trying to find ways. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is amazing because you're shedding light on something that for example, me as a young 34 year old guy, I wouldn't even know how to deal with this or expect. I don't really know much about it. I've heard about, different influencers talking about menopause on Instagram. I don't really know the in-depth of it, but to hear you talk about it from such an honest and raw perspective, yeah. I think is a really important message. Mm.
1: No, uh, it is. And, it, and everyone should know about it because everyone's affected by it one way or another. It mm-hmm. might be your mum your ready and you think, what? what's wrong with her? Or, you know, eventually, you know, it, it'll be a partner or whatever. You know, I want my kids to know about it, but I don't want it. I don't want it to be negative. No. So that's why you sort of, you talk about, you say, yeah, but still rocking it, you know. There we go. Still doing it.
0: I've got a question for you and only because I can relate to this. Yeah. Is obviously you come into a room, you're high energy, you're such a big character. Yeah. Like, it's impossible to maintain that all the time. I'm so
1: miserable at home. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awful.
0: Yeah, I am pretty much the same. oh ah, yeah. I, get, like, I thought
1: that about you. I thought, there's no way Scott is like that when he's at home with the dog. <laughs> I reckon he's a right miserable no, bastard. No, to be fair, though. And I bet you just like, grunt. You don't <laughs> want to speak, do you? It's like, I do it. Martin always says to me, he goes, Jenny, do you want to go out? And I go, no. And he goes, Jenny, do you want to go out tonight? No. What do you want to do tonight? Nothing. It's like, I said, Martin, my job is going out. My job is speaking to loads of people all the time, smiling and doing. I said. So to be quite honest, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> All right. I'm just like, I'm really sorry, but you picked her wrong. And you thought it was Jenny Powell, this and that. And I remember he was like, oh my God, it's Jenny Powell. Oh my God, I'm going oh out. Oh my God, God I'm going to, go to Jenny Powell. And now he's like, oh shit. Oh my God. I so got that <laughs> wrong. Oh my days. It is so, so you're true like an, So
0: would you agree that you're an extrovert, but yeah. you're also an introvert? Yeah.
1: I, I, I am. See, what star sign are you? Leo. Oh, Mary's. I don't know why I asked you. I've known nothing about star signs, but I just thought I'd ask.
0: But no, it's it, weird because, because yeah. I feel like we give so much energy to other people. Yeah, yeah. And I give love doing it. that. I yeah. do love doing that. I love picking up the energy. But, but then, sometimes I don't have anything left.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's it. And then you are done. And then I bet you just actually literally can't move, probably. You can't speak. I mm. can see that with mm. you because I thought the way he's going, mm. he definitely has to just switch off and zone out. Yeah. And. I bet some, you don't want people around you either. No. Anyone. Even if it's family or whatever, I find it, I, I actually have to say, it. and I go to my bedroom actually and I shut the door and I go, I don't want anyone to come mm. near me. for a Yeah, while. my brother
0: sometimes says to me, just come around, I want to see you. I, like, I, no. I, I said, I want to be around my family. Yeah. I love my family, but it has to be when I'm ready to do it because otherwise I'll just be like, there's sometimes where I just need to be on my own. And I'm getting better at it now because yeah. what I'm trying to do now is go, you know what, Scott, say no to that meeting. You don't yeah. have to be the biggest, loudest guy in the room. Calm down, chill out. Do you know what I mean? So I'm trying to get that, that balance, but it yeah, goes back to- Yeah, am not
1: feeling bad about mm. it because you're probably feeling you've got to say yes to everything for the right reasons and coming from the right place. But I do think for self-preservation, you've got to be selective.
0: 100%. You, you,
1: you know, and even you being selective and the way you, your method of being selective- Will teach you something. It's a life lesson, isn't it? Mm. To choose. You've got a choice and just to choose the right things and be yeah. selective. Do you feel
0: like that's come with age though as well? Do you feel like? Yeah, what? I
1: say no all to, on every state. My agent moves up and says, you're going to say no, aren't you? I went, yeah.
0: I can't believe I got you on the podcast. I thought you were going to say no to that. No. Nah. I can understand with you now that you've literally, you don't suffer fools anymore. You know what you're going to do and what you're not going to do in terms of like, Like you said, you've got you've learned the power of saying no, and I can tell that about you because I feel like there's a lot of similarities, yeah. I think so, just from being around you, I can kind of get it. No, I Um, think
1: there is like a synergy, isn't there? Yes, yeah, it works, doesn't it?
0: Maybe we should do this podcast together from now on.
1: I, it's really interesting because if it if it works, it's because that's the other thing I found really interesting over the years. Because having that role as a, a female, I always on telly, I always used to be called um, a glamorous sidekick. Oh. What the hell is that? Oh. Glamorous sidekick, right? And I was like, no, actually, I'm a TV presenter and I'm a fem- I'm a female TV. What, what are you talking about? And so I would always be put next to like I don't know Richard Madeley. Like when they did This Morning and Judy was off, I'd go and do it. Or I'd get put next to Nikki Campbell or shoved next to... I used to do a thing with Terry Wogan or Des O'Connor, all these people, right? But it was just like a sidekick. Mm. Um, And it's so nice now because everything's leveled out Mm. and the rapport that you can have with someone is much more refreshing now. Wow. Our role, even subconsciously, I know that the role has changed, obviously for the better for a woman. But back in the day, you didn't even expect to be anything but a sidekick. No. That's how you were made to feel in the industry, and you didn't even question it, which is wow. And
0: I was your sidekick the other night, and I, and I was happy to be that sidekick. Do you yeah, know what you I mean? were, really? No, but you're a veteran in the game, you're like a legend of the game, and I just yeah. felt like and I was I just felt like I was your sidekick, and I think that just shows how much time has kind of moved on. in yeah. Life, and it's. It's great that you've kind of been a part of that. Yeah, like, it was a
1: real movement. I mean, when I look back, it, there was me, there was Davina. Mm-hmm. There was Claudia Winkleman. I remember three of us being in a cab once. Ooh. And we were all like, were you doing that in a pervy way? or in, in a, No, ooh. just like, oh, like three we legends
0: like, in, in, all right, in a taxi. Yeah.
1: And I remember us all gabbling away. <laughs> we were all sort of up and coming. But at that time, like I say, there weren't really any girls, women on like big tally shows mm. and that was back in the 90s like early 90s probably um, and then they all went
0: you know well listen you've you definitely paved the way for so many women on television yeah. um, and I feel like you stayed real as well. Yeah. Like, you stayed real. From the moment I met you, like, you are the Jenny Powell that you see on TV and I think that's so important in this day and yeah. age because you hear some horror stories about people who...
1: Yeah, you don't want to be disappointed go, oh, God, I thought she'd be like she was on the telly and then, you know, that must be horrible when you go, oh, God, she's not.
0: No, nah, but you're amazing and, you, <laughs> and you're so warm and you're obviously a great mum as well. And you've been a great mentor for me on my journey. And I've just learned so Long much. Long may her. it
1: continue. I think I can make some yeah, money out of this.
0: I reckon so. 20%,
1: uh, actually,
0: 30%. <clears throat> and I feel like we need to do a podcast part two, but we haven't got time for much more today. But I just, no. I want to say a massive thank you because yeah, you've definitely inspired me. I'm sat with a living legend. This is probably the biggest name I've had on my podcast oh, so far. I'm going to give you I'll that. I'll
1: tell you some more stories next time. I've got some great stories about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right and Sylvester Stallone, okay. who then did big interviews with some really good stars. We've got some big, well, you could, you could do it. i We're gonna do a part two. Because I'm at a pause, I can't remember everything now anyway, but I'll write down all the good stories because I've got some cool because for you. Right, you, gonna heard save it. For you, you heard
0: it here first guys, part two is coming with yep. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, yep. I can't wait for that one. But thank you so much, Jenny, for joining me. My
1: pleasure. You've been He's amazing. He's gorgeous, you know. This is funny. He's a keeper.
0: Wow, I have not laughed like that on an episode ever, I don't think. That was a completely different vibe, but the best kind of vibe and the best energy from Jenny. Literally, like she has been part of a massive shift in the TV industry, pop culture, and it's so good to get an insight into her story, and some of them the magic moments that she's experienced as well it's done it's just been an amazing episode so i hope you enjoyed it and also for anyone going through menopause as well i feel for you it's really opened up my eyes so i hope jenny's helped shed some light on an important topic there but please continue to rate review and follow and share wherever you listen to your podcasts and please tag me on instagram with any of your takeaways i would love to come back to you with my feedback and keep spreading the love so thank you again and we will be back next week for another episode of learning as i go